Hello and welcome to this special edition of A Big Mouthful. My name is Simon Pearson and I am the chair of the LGBT Plus Network or Cumbria Northumberland Tynemuir NHS Foundation Trust. And it's important to state quite clearly right now that all views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are most definitely my own. Some of you will know that last year we created a series of videos of some of us in conversation talking about our coming out experiences and I've always wanted to be able to transpose those over to audio so we can reach in a wider audience and I'm pleased to say I've been able to get round to doing that now. This next conversation is with Ray and I think you will find it really moving. I wanted to be a priest so at a very young age so when I first started noticing the difference I just thought it was something that you can pray away so every night one of my prayers was to kind of make me right I never entertained the idea that I wasn't heterosexual up until I was 22 I think it's probably one of the most traumatic and hardest thing for me um, because the 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 admission that I wasn't heterosexual came abruptly for me so just one day I gave up and said okay this is something I can't overcome by prayer anymore so I must be non-heterosexual um, and that happened within a space of 30 minutes so within 30 minutes I went to a church to finally say goodbye to Jesus Christ to say I'm breaking up with you this is not this is literally what I said I'm breaking up with you because I can't live in a world where you would punish me for who I am and then I left that church in tears uh, really broke feeling broken and it took me probably a half a decade to recover from the from the pain it's a I felt that I lost someone when I came out yeah because I, I I served in the church twice a day every day since high school um, and I prayed every day, probably four or five times a day and then when I came out I had to give the, those all up um, because for me it was all or nothing um, I, I really couldn't for, for, for my soul I couldn't dip in and out for me it's either I stop believing in the Bible for my sanity or give up being gay if you like and go back to to the closet so I, I had to let go everything I did from the age of 12 basically faith wise I was born eight hours away from the capital of the Philippines which is Manila and I, when I was 22 I went to Manila to do a workshop in photography and I was in a bookshop um, looking at photography books when this um, guy intentionally bumped into me so he could buy me some coffee and I was surprised because it's unusual for a man at least in my world to ask another man um, for coffee and um, I paused for a bit and, and, and told myself oh this is a good opportunity to finally find out whether I'm gay or not so I had coffee with this man and I could feel the 
the attraction um, happening. So after the coffee, that's when I started crying because, oh my God, yes, I, I am very attracted to that man, which means, um, you know, it, I was attracted to him in a way that's completely the opposite with women. Um, I walked four hours first, um, just processing that in my head, and then suddenly um, there was a church um, in front of me, and I said, okay, went to the church and cut the ties. I, I found excuses to travel back to Manila, and I don't know, just, just um, I started researching online first, um, where to go and things like that and places to go to and i would travel seven hours to go to manila to go to that place for one or two hours and then travel seven hours back to to my hometown and i did that for for a while um two years i think um when i i i think i started looking for a job in manila just so i could be in in the gay scene if you like um so for a year or two, even though I was out to myself, I wasn't really out to any significant member of my circle, if you like. A year after I moved in, uh, in Manila to start a job, I started kind of being part of this um, gay community. So I had probably five friends that I met up with after work to kind of, you know, at that time party or what have you and then I stumbled across an advertisement um, to it's like a competition it's like Mr. Gay competition but um, what I liked about the competition was it, it was to its aim was to educate the society that n that not all gay men are flamboyant or or effeminate so it was it was kind of like a competition for straight acting gay men if you like so i joined this competition thinking that it was local um i didn't realize it was going to be covered by the national news <laughs> so we were interviewed by a major um news network and it was televised nationally so um that was my coming out basically everyone ex-girlfriends um <laughs> friends family kind of knew because it was prime time news um so people just ask is that you i just saw you on tv is that you is that true kind of thing um i had a phone call from my dad who was surprisingly very calm about it um telling me that my mom um, had a nervous breakdown um it turns out that my dad was more accepting of who I was than, than my mom was. Um, and they, my dad said, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with what you're doing, but your mom really wants you to quit this competition um, to, 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 give, to give it up. And I said, no, um, what, what, why does she want me to, to give up? And apparently my mom misunderstood the competition. She thought, because um, there, there are other beauty pageants in, in, in the Philippines where gay men dress, uh, cross-dress basically. So my mom apparently was picturing me in a, in a ball gown with, with false eyelashes and all that. And I had to explain to my dad, no, 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 this is, this is, the, this is why I joined. Um, it took my mom two or three days to process that. Um, but when she, when she accepted it, she ended up 
traveling to Manila to join uh, to watch the the competition so she was there to support me in the end but the the, the three days when she was kind of processing it it was it was a difficult back and forth because I felt defensive, you know, I, you know, this is who I am kind of thing. And they felt fearful for their reputation, I guess. So once, um, when the dust settled, um, everybody kind of accepted me for who I am. But my parents who are, who, who are raised Catholics, every once in a while they, they would forget, I think, and they will ask about grandchildren and, and about marriage and all that. And then I would have to explain you know, mom, you know, mom, dad, we, we've had this conversation and then, yeah, it would just turn into an awkward pause or something. Um, but that was, we're talking about how old am I now? 15, 17 years ago now. So they've accepted who I am now and are very supportive. My, my sisters were, were very supportive. Um, I raised my sisters really, so they, they, they were kind of pleased for me. Um, so no no issues or, or, or challenges there, um, not even for my dad, it was really my mom and I think it was just panic for my mom that, you know, what would my neighbors say if they see you kind of in, in a miniskirt, I think that's what she said, <laughs> she asked me before and I said the day I wear a miniskirt mom is the day I want to probably jump off a cliff, I, I said, not that I was against um, no, I'm lying. I, I, I was biased against um, cross-dressers at that time um, only because I, whenever I picture cross-dressers, I could picture people throwing stones at them and I didn't want that for myself. So it was more like fear rather than rather than hatred against the, the thought. But yeah, it's, it's, it, and this is something probably I've never said out loud before that I'm, I'm proud of what I've been through. Um, I'm proud that despite that I'm, I'm here in almost one piece, if you know what I mean. Um, there, there were times when I would look back and it would shake me to the core, if you know what I mean. I, I go back to the dark feelings that I used to have, but now I, I look at it and I'm, I, I can only feel strength from it. And this is probably why I became, I started became, you know, becoming an active member of, of, of the network. It was sudden for me because I, I felt like probably a year or two ago, I found my voice that, you know, okay, it, it's, it's, because even though I'm, I'm out, I'm not out to everyone. This is probably the, the, the first time when I'm almost out to the whole world, if you know what I mean, and I'm ready to kind of support other people. Um, but the journey is very, very tough at that time. But when I look back now, I, I can, I can remember the difficulties, but I can't feel, I can't remember the feelings anymore, if you know what, I think, I think I'm healed, or I'm, I'm close to being fully healed. I remember the story yeah. almost, um, almost clearly, but I couldn't remember how devastated I was, you know, that, that, that extreme feeling. Yeah. Um, I just knew that it was, it was a tough time, but I'm here now, um, better than ever. Because <laughs> even when I, moved to the UK in 2007, I knew I was in a country that was more supportive of LGBT than where I came from. The, the cultural, I don't know, restrictions stayed with me for a, more than a decade. Um, it was only until I discovered 
a profession in, in the NHS um, psychology and, and becoming part of the network that I kind of felt like, okay, I'm not alone anymore. And I started to, to care less about what other people might say. Um, so yes, you're right. I, I felt that I had to really, really take my time um, before I could show everyone who I really am, I guess. When you kind of read stories about coming out, um, the main message usually is, you know, you know, just just do it, be true to yourself, whatever. Um, I find that to be sixty percent helpful only. The other thirty percent for me is the practical side of it. Um, you have to make sure that you are ready to be at least independent because there's this chance that when you come out, you will lose everyone. You know, um, like you know. You, you you will know who your real friends are when you when you come out but chances are it's possible that you might lose everyone so i guess if you can work hard to 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 be independent um find someone you can you can trust before you 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 fully come out because it for some people coming out is easier for others it's it's almost giving up a very big part of you so that another part of you can can start growing um, and once once you're out surround yourself with with people who are you know supportive or or the, or the same because if you've lived your life a certain way you will need other people to kind of guide you live the new and better you if you know or the, or the real you um, there's no it will be more difficult for you to come out in an environment where there's nobody there to hold your hand. And the fears that you had before you came out will stay with you after you come out. It will take some time for those fears to kind of really, really disappear. They, they, they will stay with you forever, I think, um, but the magnitude kind of just, just changes. I hope that touched you as much as what it touched me. Thank you, Ray, for taking the time to do this. As always, please email in with any comments, suggestions and feedback from what you've heard on the podcast. We always love to hear from you and the email address, as always, is abigmouthful1 at gmail.com and you can find that in the show notes on the Buzzsprout website if you scroll down the page just below where the button is to listen to the podcasts. Don't forget to email in with any thoughts and suggestions you have for future podcasts and if you want to be part of a future podcast. In the meantime, thanks very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed that and I look forward to speaking with you soon. In the meantime, please look after yourselves and stay safe.